0: Welcome to the Sales Pro Chat Podcast, brought to you by the Canadian Professional Sales Association, helping sales-focused professionals discover new tools, trends, and strategies. Please welcome your host, Bill Bannam.
1: Welcome to the August edition of Sales Pro Chat. I'm your host, Bill Bannam, and uh, today we're talking about the connection between sales and marketing and how each department feeds into social selling strategies. Our awesome guest today is Andrew Jenkins. Andrew is a Toronto based social media expert, speaker and strategist. Andrew helps companies grow revenue and brand presence by embracing social media and social selling strategies.
0: For sales professionals, team leaders, and organizations across the country, the Canadian Professional Sales Association is your partner in building knowledge and skills to improve sales performance. The CPSA is the advocate for excellence in sales. We invest resources in programming, curriculum development, and professional designations to help individuals and companies become more successful through effective sales. We connect employers and employees, business with academia, and the private sector with government to advance the sales profession and improve Canadian competitiveness. Learn more at cpsa.com and remember to subscribe to the CPSA podcast through iTunes, Google Play, and more.
1: Andrew, welcome to Sales Pro Chat. Thank you very much for having me. Let's start by you telling us a wee bit more about you. Um, So please dive into your career history and how you... uh, you came to be a, a social setting expert.
0: Well, thank you. Um, I, just to build on what you were just uh, saying, uh, I've been in the technology space for the last uh, 20 years. First as an e-commerce on, uh, entrepreneur selling menswear on the Internet, In uh, started in 1995, or 1995 BG, as I like to say, before Google, and before taking credit cards over the web was ubiquitous. I worked for a number of startups, uh, worked on wireless at Bell Canada, and for the last uh, eight years have been building up my company, Volterra, uh, focused on, as you mentioned, social media strategy, social selling, uh, and working with companies where we run their social for them, working with companies where we provide additional bench strength behind the scenes. And from the standpoint of social selling, working with B2B sales teams and salespeople in financial services on social selling methodologies and tools, uh, helping them identify prospects and nurture them along their decision-making journey. Super, thank you very much.
1: So let's jump straight in then. Um, For those out there that perhaps haven't heard of the term social selling,
0: what what, what exactly is it? From my perspective, it is the use of social media tools to identify prospects, nurture them along their decision-making journey, Uh, And in parallel to that, aiding uh, the development of a personal brand and thought leadership for the salespeople. Okay. And what isn't social selling? It's not your salvation. By that I mean if you're uh, not a good salesperson or you're in the midst of developing your sales skills, social selling isn't meant to replace what you're doing. It's not meant as a um, panacea uh it's going to be a complement to your sales efforts not a replacement a lot of people get caught up in this idea oh i'll just devote all of my time and energy to linkedin and uh, the world will be the path to my door that's not taking anything away from the power and value to be derived from linkedin but you need to um have a proper perspective there are many, many traditional approaches to sales that still work or are still viable that uh, you mustn't ignore or abandon and use social selling as a complement uh, to those efforts and to extend them. So you'd say it's a big ecosystem of, of tools and processes and strategies
1: where marketing people can help in certain areas and, and salespeople get involved in other areas perhaps?
0: Well, in very simplistic terms, every salesperson would love a referral. They would love an introduction rather than having to go into a situation cold no one loves making cold calls and so if you can apply some techniques for the use of some tools that would increase the number of referrals and introductions that you could get the number of touch points or uh, points of engagement that you can have with prospects that you know come about somewhat organically or or uh, orchestrated, and therefore diminishing the requirement for you to make a cold call, everyone would say, yeah, I'd like more of that. And so uh, that's where social selling can pay a benefit. It can increase your number of referrals. It can increase the number of introductions that can be um, brought about. And, but you know, at the end of the day, you still have a quota. At the end of the day, you're still trying to uh, reach your number or achieve your sales objectives. And every salesperson is hungry for tools and techniques that are going to help them achieve those.
1: So you you just rightly mentioned reaching sales goals, selling products on a regular basis, and uh, and and hitting targets. But in terms of metrics that salespeople should use to measure the success of a marketing team, what what would those be? So I guess one that you just alluded to there would be um, a, a a list of warmer leads to be able to cool up.
0: Well, uh, having recently just com- completed the uh, sales pro chat pre-chat, we'll use that as an example. You can move from, I'll call it, the far-reaching um, edge of your marketing efforts from the standpoint of reach. How far is your message traveling, especially in social media? And those metrics are available to you. So and that's one. You can look at your reach, the impressions, standard I'll call it uh, online or digital metrics and then uh, you can do be incorporating lead scoring did that outreach those impressions lead to some sort of conversion did it drive more traffic back to your website or a particular destination that you've specified landing page what have you then what happened and so at all these different stages there are associated metrics and you want to make sure that both sales and marketing, Are aligned about what those metrics will be and what they're going to do in order to achieve those metrics specific to the salesperson they can be looking at something like what has now been made available for free to all users on linkedin they can do a baseline measurement of their social selling index and even though the, the word the um the name of the um offering has selling in it it really um is meant for everyone to show how well you are using the linkedin platform from building your personal brand sharing um insights making connections and building uh relationships and so those are four criteria on which you are scored or how your ssi score is achieved so that's you know you can take a baseline and then over time as you ideally increase your efforts within LinkedIn, you can watch your SSI score ideally go up. But if, you know, one, thing I, one caveat I should add is that it's not static. If you go off on vacation for two weeks, your SSI score could be dramatically affected. So that's just specific to LinkedIn, but then you can go to things like, what am I sharing on Twitter? What am I sharing on LinkedIn, Facebook, etc., And what kind of traffic is it driving back to a particular de- destinations? At the very highest level, what you're trying to do is be able to draw a straight line of attribution. We did this over here, and it caused this outcome. And ideally, that outcome should be a sale at some point through the through um, your effort
1: With all of that measurement and um, buying into and understanding key metrics that uh assigned, perhaps to more traditional marketing activities, would you, would you would you say that Actually, today's marketing pros are sorry. Today's sales pros are, are also marketing people um, because traditional sales skill sets perhaps didn't need um, understanding of uh, how many followers one one's getting, what the engagement rates are, what what those impressions look like. But to have a well-rounded social media strategy, um, are modern salespeople marketers too? Uh,
0: for those that aren't, they're they're required to be. And for those that have already made that transition, then you know they're reaping the rewards for having done so. If the anecdote of 12 to 18 touchpoints being required for a large-scale B2B enterprise sale is true, then that means I as a salesperson and or marketer or sales marketer need to figure out, well, I can't be selling at every touchpoint uh, with this prospect. I need to be helpful and informative at those touch points to build rapport, to build trust, and occasionally actually not sell at all when we have a, a, an interaction. And so if I'm not selling, I need to be informing and educating and be, being of assistance through content, through a demonstration of our product or service, uh, to show them you know, the capabilities that it might be addressing a pain point that we've surfaced in an earlier part of our conversation. And in the case of, you know, smaller companies, uh, startups, et cetera, where people are wearing multiple hats, whether you want to call it growth hacking or sales hacking, or just a hack of some kind, they're being required to be, um, uh, to wear many hats. So you have to be in sales and you have to be, uh, have some marketing capabilities as well. And they, especially because of the internet, are now so tightly uh, interwoven. That you have to have some degree of familiarity uh, in both camps. It's just a given. You can't be—I'll uh, call it—the traditional, you know, uh, bag-carrying salesman uh, with no digital aptitude whatsoever. It's actually to your detriment because your customer is equally, if not more, digitally savvy than you are.
1: So, with all of those touch points going on there, uh, the educational piece, the 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 give, if you like, before the ask happens. Is there a way to delineate between uh, where, where marketing fits in for those touch points and where salespeople fit in? Or is it, is, is it all far too gray and there's no black and white?
0: No, I think you can. It might be that the salesperson might choose to have their own discretion as to where and how they draw marketing in, whether it's con- content that marketing is uh, provided. Or if it's direct assistance that may be up to the salesperson but depending on what point in time the customer is on their decision-making journey it might be uh going from a a blog post something more substantive like a white paper or a webinar and so and then it may be some compounded with some email follow-up although way along your scoring said prospect to figure out where are they at in their journey what kind of content have they consumed thus far and in and around that what kind of profiling can you do is there any data you can capture from their website visitation how long did they spend where did they spend it Uh, how often have they come back Uh, a variety of those metrics and one of the things I've told salespeople uh, in the past as well is that sometimes when you're following up don't literally follow up about the sale don't even bring up the fact that you're actually in a sales engagement together sometimes you can just send them a note with an article ideally from a third party that isn't even related to i mean it might be industry related or related to the interest or pain point that your prospect is experiencing but it shows that you were thinking of them and thinking of their situation and nothing more No other agenda, you weren't asking for the state of their uh, thinking regarding a a purchase decision. It's just a gesture. And sometimes where they might have ignored your emails of follow-up or calls of follow-up at that point, and you're still waiting for an answer, this sort of of out-of-left-field touchpoint with them, just showing that you were being thoughtful, actually um, can sometimes trigger them to respond to say, really appreciate what you sent me uh, and thanks for thinking of me. Oh, and by the way, I know I owe you a a call or I know I owe you a response on X and they sometimes will disclose the situation then. um, All brought about by you being helpful and informative and not trying to be overtly salesy.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Now, marketing teams, of course, can also bring in sales directly. Um, through, through certain efforts, you know, whether that's paid search, re, re, remarketing, um, getting lucky because they've offered fantastic content with, with a with a sign up option within a blog post, say. So is there an argument today to say that we can actually flip it and instead of salespeople being marketing people, marketing people are salespeople and they can uh, reach big audiences and convert independently of sales. So, how much more do do marketing people really need sales anymore what 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 situations out there mean that you need to have a salesperson as a point of contact?
0: I think it would depend on the the either the type of product or service being sold, maybe a degree of its complexity. That's not to say that you know marketers can't handle complexity. It's more from the standpoint of their marketing um efforts take on different forms at different stages of that decision-making journey that i was speaking of and um, ultimately when it comes down to the conversion from prospect to client the salesperson may have stronger closing skills or more experience in in that realm uh, or to your point may not be required because the marketers have done a sufficient job for me if i put myself in the prospect shoes Maybe it's just I've gone to enough webinars. I've done. I've looked at your competitive and comparative chart online of your solution versus another. I've I've gone through a trial, uh, and I I liked what I saw. I liked how I've been dealt with, and that's been sufficient. And in the sense, I closed myself. Uh, but again, it, it, every situation is is different. Um, you know, I used to sell cars. They're still. You know, adhering to many of the traditional ways of doing it. Uh, however, with the digital savvy consumer, that consumer is now coming in and the length of time for negotiation is much, much shorter. The consumer knows how much the manufacturer or the, the dealership has paid for the car. They have a sense of what, on average, the margin needs to be. They have a sense of what their train in might be worth. Uh, and they've been pre-approved for their lease or their finance payment by their bank or through an online mechanism supplied by the manufacturer. So, and that, and in a sense, marketing can play a role in those steps of the pre-approval and so on, and the associated lead scoring and things like that. So, I don't want it to sound like I'm evading the answer, but it's kind of a depends. Um, marketing can most definitely have a sales role, and sales can most definitely have a marketing role. I think it comes down to what you're selling and how you're selling it.
1: Now I don't know about you, Andrew, but I've I've worked at companies before where the the head of sales and marketing is a salesperson, and therefore the the end key metric, the, the major KPI there was the conversion. Um, in in the context of social selling, is the sale the the, the key KPI, or is there way more to it than that?
0: Well, I think you raise an interesting point i think there needs to be alignment between sales and marketing about what the kpi is i worked for a major telecom where and i was in a marketing role and we were measured on the profitability of the deals that occurred related to our product portfolio sales was compensated on top line revenue they were philosophically opposed to one another And so if I'm a salesperson and I do really well and I get into my accelerators, the profitability is immaterial to me because I'm not negatively impacted by it. Or the portion of my compensation related to profitability is so small, I can wipe it out with my accelerators. Marketers were at the mercy of what the salespeople did and it caused friction. So when it comes to metrics, you want to make sure that everyone is aligned and we're all rowing in the same direction. And so I think that whether you want to call it a sale uh, or we actually decouple it. you want to say to marketers, you're responsible for the following stages of the journey. and we want to see the needle moved on these following areas, whether it's lead scoring, the number of marketing qualified leads, et cetera. And then, this is the point of demarcation between marketing and sales is X. And then here is the metrics that is further along in that journey for sales, going from sales qualified lead to converted to client. That's just one possibility. Again, it can depend on the size and scope of the marketing and sales team. If you're a large enterprise with hundreds of people in sales and marketing, that's one thing. If you're a startup where sales and marketing is a department of two. That's entirely different.
1: I I think certainly in in the the latter scenario, there, you've got to be a salesperson and a marketing person and potentially an account manager and lots of other things. Um.
0: Do it all. I I (laughs) started up where uh, we were so lean, the sales team shared one laptop, and you would have to book it to go and make a sales call. Wow. Yeah like that that was bootstrapping and that was in the day when you know uh, a laptop was so expensive and the organization you know as a bootstrapping startup we were being very very cognizant of where we spent our money
1: let's change tack now if i may um
0: uh, what social selling tools do you recommend and why well there's i mean different methods uh, tied to that as well but i you know first and foremost Especially in a B2B context, I would recommend LinkedIn. I think it's a a tremendously underused uh, platform, and tool, and service, however you want to describe it. Uh, As a complement to that, there's a multitude of Chrome extensions that can make someone very, very productive uh, when they're at their computer. Uh, And LinkedIn can be very productive from your mobile phone as well. Uh, But I would look at LinkedIn, there's a Chrome extension called Discoverly. So when I talk about part of social selling is to increase the number of referrals and introductions that you get, well LinkedIn will make someone's network transparent to you so you can ask certain people for introductions and referrals based on the data that LinkedIn presents. The Discovery uh, Chrome extension will show you if you have mutual friends with someone. So if you can't get connected to them through uh, LinkedIn there's a potential that you could identify uh, that there's a shared connection over Facebook and then ask for an introduction through LinkedIn or via email. I doubt it that they'll become your friend when they don't know you. So I wouldn't go at it without uh, assumption or expectation but using again surfacing this kind of insight through a Chrome extension, uh, I would look at um, you know there's so much power to come from Gmail plugins. Sales Navigator from LinkedIn now has a plug-in to uh, Gmail. Uh, I would look at social CRM solutions like uh, Nimble, that again integrates from a Chrome point of view, gives you a a robust social profile. Full Contact uh, or Full Contacts does the same thing, synchronizes over your phone, connects to your um, uh, Gmail, and uh, a local example here in Canada, Nudge. Uh, recently raised, I think, five or six million dollars. They help remind you who, uh, within your network, as well as potential prospects, you might want to engage today via social or via LinkedIn, et cetera, so that you get some prompts. Um, Nimble uh, does some of the same thing. And lastly, I think a lot of people ignore or dismiss Twitter uh, because they think they have to be tweeting. There's value to to, to come or to be derived from Twitter by participating, don't get me wrong. However, there's so much value from a research point of view available to you through Twitter that a lot of people just haven't tapped into it. Insights about competition, the industry landscape, your prospects, companies that they work for, um, staying in tune to news because a lot of news breaks there first rather than elsewhere. Uh, And so I I think a lot of people miss out on staying on top of late breaking news related to their prospects, related to their pain points and the industry that they operate in that would all come about through Twitter, provided they learn how to uh, utilize it.
1: I would agree with that. It's amazing how many people don't fully appreciate the capabilities of Twitter. Um, Building out lists, for example, based on hashtags or who people are engaging with and so on that that's just there one one example is a way to make your uh sales funnel full of people who are warmer leads which who are more likely to start consuming your content and then from that point hopefully purchase um
0: the i I found people are a little more relaxed a little more accessible at times especially senior leadership on twitter if you find them and, and they're active then uh like in some cases, you can reach these senior people more readily than uh, through LinkedIn. It was
1: interesting there in your answer a moment ago, the, the big elephant in the room, the one that you didn't mention was,
0: was Facebook. Where does where does Facebook live in a social selling strategy? From, uh, from a content point of view, it plays a tremendous role. Um, I was thinking more about the, I'll call it the one-to-one engagement. Um, in some countries, People will become friends on Facebook as part of their trust-building exercise with their prospects. Um, uh, And so, and and they actually ignore uh, LinkedIn, um, or it actually has plays a lesser role. My uh, where I encourage the use of Facebook is more from even in a B2B context. You can't ignore its size. It's four times, closing in on five times bigger than. Uh, LinkedIn and the same for Twitter. so almost everyone has an account. From a cost effective reach to those uh, people through advertising, you can't ignore it. It's you know a tenth of the cost of ads on LinkedIn. So I even argue for my B2B clients you should have a presence on Facebook and if we're going to put money into ads, I would highly recommend that we emphasize there. Because uh, I can target based on interest. If I have an email list, we can do a similar audience. I can target geographically. A whole variety of things become available to me. Uh, but one caveat is, you know, I don't think you're going to become friends with your prospects. If you do, great. Um, but that's usually they become friends after they become a client. But um, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Facebook. That's where I would position it. It's more about as an advertising and reach channel or uh, if especially if I want to promote content uh, and now that they have instant articles where you know blog posts are being pushed directly in, uh, into your feed they will auto expand on a mobile device so you know there's a lot going on there and you've got Facebook live uh, as well so you know it's worth taking advantage of would you recommend therefore? But
1: every social selling strategy should have a component of of paid advertising, whether that's boosted posts on Facebook, Twitter adverts, um, those wonderful segmented LinkedIn ads that you can do on. um, Or do you think there are times when actually you don't need to spend additional dollars on on social advertising?
0: Well, you can accomplish a lot organically on social, but I mean, there's still cost from a resourcing and time. In the case of Facebook it is most definitely a pay-to-play environment so if you're going to be on Facebook you have to allocate budget to play there in order to get your content seen uh, it used to be if you liked a page that meant you would see their content now you pay to get people to like your page and then you pay to get people to see your content um, but you know, for an, a nominal amount of money, you can get a tremendous amount of reach, a tremendous amount of engagement. Uh, and, you know, from a metrics point of view, you can prove out we spent X and here is the outcome. And so, uh, you know, it gives people great comfort that uh, you know something worked. Uh, and, you know, Facebook provides a pixel. So for your Google Analytics, you can say, Facebook is responsible for this amount of traffic. And so you can prove over time it's the importance or is the role that it plays in relation to driving back uh, traffic, ideally to your website, because you don't own Facebook. You don't own Twitter. Fred Wilson of EC says that Nike's brand is not Facebook.com slash Nike. It is Nike.com. So all of your social selling efforts is not, primary objective of those efforts is not to garner more followers or likes or fans. Although those are nice and they serve a, a, a purpose for achieving your goals, ultimately you want people driven back to your website or a chosen destination to respond to a call to action that is the outcome that you want. And ideally, in that case, the conversion to some sort of transaction.
1: So there's absolutely every possibility that um, a social selling strategy, if done right, can have an ROI a return on investment as well as an ROE, a return on engagement.
0: Yes, and you know, a lot of people will bring up you know the question of ROI with social. And my, my response typically is, you have to design it into it from the very beginning. This is the outcome that we want, okay? Let's map it back. How will we, um, what channels will we be using to um, support that, those efforts? What are the associated metrics, our timeframes and so on? And you map it out, but you map it backward from end or outcome to what you need to be getting, uh, be doing in the beginning, and have all the associated metrics uh, and reporting uh, intervals necessary to, to make sure that you're on track. As I was saying earlier, with the social selling index from from LinkedIn, someone jumps on LinkedIn, goes you know, gangbusters for a month, is doing phenomenal, and then goes on vacation for two weeks. Well there are going to be ramifications because of that not only on their linkedin efforts but just generally related to their client engagement or or prospect engagement and i just wanted to touch back on so you know yes most definitely facebook should be incorporated most definitely you need to be prepared to be spending money or having an ad budget related to um, facebook but uh you need to again recognize well where is my audience resident um, what channels, what platforms. And so if you're targeting the under 34, maybe it's Snapchat. If you want higher uh, engagement based on visual content, you should be looking at Instagram. Uh, but if you are a B2B company and think, oh, well, Instagram is where the higher engagement is, let's be there. You need to recognize that you must serve that environment with a highly visual, rich media. And if you don't have that kind of content, you will be setting yourself up for failure or doing yourself a disservice. So, you know, don't try to be all things to all people. Don't try to be a mile wide and a foot deep. Pick your channels and be really good at servicing those, those few channels. And the last thing I'll say uh, from a Facebook LinkedIn point of view, you mentioned some of the ads you can do on LinkedIn. Well, in the case of LinkedIn, I can self-provision with a credit card, text ads. I can self-provision sponsored content, but if I want to garner fans for my my LinkedIn company page, I must engage LinkedIn marketing solutions, which will require a minimum of $5,000 per month or $15,000 per quarter. And you have to ask yourself as a marketer, am I better off spending the $15,000 elsewhere? How much more would I accomplish putting those ad dollars in Google AdWords, in um on Twitter ads, on Facebook, or some amazing pieces of content, be it video, infographic, or whatever, and then using the social channels to promote them. Because again, it's all great to have fans of a Facebook page or a company page on LinkedIn, but if that's not ultimately where I want them to go, I want them to go to my website. Would I be better, sir, spending $15,000 getting them to go to my website directly or indirectly than getting them to go to my LinkedIn page? No disrespect to LinkedIn. I love the platform. It's been tremendously valuable to me. But when it comes down to being a sales or marketing uh, person or a hybrid, uh, you've got to s- decide where do you want to spend your time and energy and, and uh, monetary resources.
1: We're uh, we're coming towards the end of this particular podcast. We'll obviously love to get you on again in the future. Um, before before I invite you to tell our audience a wee bit more about how they can learn about you, um, you mentioned something there that I just have to ask you about. Um, and I know that you, <laughs> because you and I have known each other for a while, I know that you have certain uh, awesome insights into Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Now, um, this is a very unique type of social media network, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on What are the top opportunities, but also what are the big obstacles when it comes to trying to get to grips with Snapchat?
0: Well, the one of the reasons Snapchat is garnering a lot of attention is because of the amount of video-based content that is created, consumed, and distributed on its platform on a daily basis it actually exceeds, it certainly matches, if not exceeds on some days, the volume of Facebook at a quarter of Facebook size. So you have a large uh, user base, highly engaged. However, in relation to the other social media platforms that people are familiar with, it is hard to discover people on Snapchat. Uh, you can make up your avatar or your handle or what have you. Um, so, discovering people is hard. So, it actually uh, means a much smaller following for people. And so, those that have already established themselves as influencers, if you're a brand trying to establish a presence there, Snapchat, I was at a presentation from someone from Snapchat Canada, and they said y- you might be better served to engage influencers who've already done the heavy lifting and legwork to garner an audience. And in Canada, um, the minimum ad buy for Snapchat is $50,000. Out of the gate. Wow. If you want to be on Snapchat and you want to reach an audience and you're starting from zero, you can do it without any ad buy, but it's going to be an uphill battle. As well, we have all begun enjoying especially those of us in b2b and enterprise social media third-party tools that help us uh, measure our performance on facebook manage multiple twitter accounts uh, schedule posts uh, and all the associated metrics after the fact none of which exists for snapchat so if you're an enterprise and you want to establish a snapchat presence it all scales right down to someone's going to be managing your corporate presence through a phone, which doesn't give a lot of comfort to people, uh, and so you know, those are just some of the I'll call it the highlights and some of the issues related to Snapchat. And there's only four million users on Snapchat in Canada, so only 10% of Canada, and 81% of them are below 34 years of age. So, it, and if so, if you're not if your customer isn't in that demographic then you may be wasting your time and energy going after it. Instagram has already made a competitive response to uh, incorporate some new capabilities that are similar to Snapchat. Uh, and uh, with the companies uh, our clients that we work with that are on Instagram, we see where you, engagement used to be, you know, engagement on Facebook over 1% was amazing. Uh, and it's still worth pursuing if you get 2%, hey, that's great. We're seeing uh, engagement on Instagram at six percent, which is phenomenal, but the audience is slightly smaller but again, if your audience is on instagram you can uh, can do rather well there but it all comes down to resourcing uh tools uh and ultimately you know is your audience there and um, can you engage that audience there through your content if you can't then um Don't kill yourself. Okay. (laughs) I
1: I think we could do another interview just talking about Snapchat Um, and and perhaps we will, but for the time being, Um, we're we're now wrapping up. Thank you so much. Uh, How can our listeners learn more about you, Andrew?
0: So they can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, They can find me uh, on Twitter at A Jenkins. Uh, and uh, my website is volterraconsulting.com uh, or about.me slash andrewjenkins and all okay. you that you'll be able to you know i'm sure you'll be able to find me
1: and i should just put a shameless plug in there as well you can also read some of
0: andrew's awesome articles at cpsa.com yes. uh thank andrew way, thank you for that because uh i it's been uh uh, you know, get people reaching out to me to say, I read your um, article on CPSA. Very complimentary. So, uh, thanks again for the, to CPSA for the opportunity to be with you today uh, and to be a contributor to the website. And thank you. Thank you very much for being our guest
1: for this edition of Sales Pro Chat. So, until next time, listeners, um, this has been Bill Bannum, and this is the Sales Pro Chat podcast. Over for now.
0: Thank you for listening to Sales Pro Chat Podcast, brought to you by the Canadian Professional Sales Association.